0: Hi everyone, Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. Remember, that's morning with you. U. We're back from summer vacation and jumping right back into cartoons. First, I want to give some shout outs to some listeners. We recently had a couple people contact us over social media and so we wanted to be able to say thank you for your contribution and we appreciate it. From Neo Nightwing on YouTube, he said, last man is fantastic. Neo Nightwing, we could not agree with you more. We love that show. Oriya Cenotar on our Cat Dog episode on YouTube, or Iris comments saying, You know what? I actually liked the show as a kid, disliked it as a teen, and rediscovered it as an adult. As I grew up, I tend to like merely the character of Cat Dog rather than the show. For three seasons, they basically are bullied every episode because they're different. That gets old after a while. As a show, I give it a 6 out of 10, but as characters for Cat Dog, I give it a 10 out of 10. Senator, we can't agree with you more. That's actually a really great synopsis of kind of how this show is. Super unique characters for Cat Dog. The show kind of gets a little stale at some point. Finally, we have Doug Kendall from Facebook with some solid He-Man and She-Ra PSAs for us to watch. Ooh, if you have a favorite PSA from He-Man, She-Ra, any of those shows please send them over to us, and we'll be posting them throughout the month of July. Doug is actually helping us segue into our upcoming episode for today. Today, June 2nd, is He-Man. And then later this month, on July 16th, we're gonna be talking She-Ra. She-Ra is actually coming out right around my birthday. So if you're thinking of a present, (laughs) stop it, you are too kind. We're just honestly trying to spread the word about the show. So if you really wanna do something nice for my birthday, you can send birthday wishes by rating us on iTunes or telling a friend about the show. You can share the episode also on social media. Every bit counts. So we mentioned He-Man. What are we talking about today? Well, we've got two special guests with me. Isabel Galbraith and Dr. Jason Woods are both returning to the show. Oh, deep sigh. Why the deep sigh? Well, because I get pretty defensive on this episode and Jason Woods decides to put our friendship on the line. Isabel has some fantastic questions about He-Man as a role model for masculinity, so why wait any longer? Let's get on with today's show about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Hello and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you all the way from Castle Grayskull, I'll be your host, Sean Paul Ellis. And joining me today, all the way from across Eternia, on Snake Mountain, we are joined by podcaster and doctor, Dr. Jason Woods.
1: I so desperately wish I could do the Skeletor voice, but I'm not even going to attempt it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh Oh, and we also have uh, laughing in the background a very special guest that is joining us. She's returning to the show and riding in on a cosmic comet. We have a professor and performer in Washington, D.C., Isabel Galbraith.
2: Welcome, Isabel. Hi, thanks for having me.
0: You are very welcome. We are glad to have you here. Gang, we're talking about. A very very special cartoon this week. I think that this one is He He-Man. He-Man. <laughs> He-Man. Man. He Man. He Man. You almost can't say it without beginning to hear the theme song in the back of your head. Uh, it's kind of crazy how that that actually works. So I have to I have to pose the question: What was your relationship with He Man growing up?
2: So I uh, grew up in the '80s, and I had a younger brother, Ruben, who's four years younger. Uh, so he was the one turning on He-Man and I was just kind of like watching it along with him. Um, and he loved it and I was much less interested in it. I really didn't like it. So I was excited to, I didn't, I didn't, nothing about it resonated with me as a kid at all. And really the thing I liked best was when we would go to our friend's house and he had Castle Grayskull and I liked Castle Grayskull because if I'm remembering it right, it had a trap door and I thought that was very cool. And it had, like, a very cool mechanism to make it go. So that was my favorite part of the whole He-Man world.
0: So it was the play sets. It's yeah. The toy, yeah. toy playsets, The castle. I think that that's definitely always a fun part for any of those. The 80s was definitely the prime time of when they had action figure toy playsets, So I, I can 100% relate. Mm-hmm. they the best. Jason, what was, your, what was your relationship?
1: I didn't have much of one with He-Man. So I was really? born in... 83 uh, and the the figurines came out I think the year before that or or that same year Um, and then the cartoon I think was was off by the time I was two or three as far as its original run so I remember watching it in syndication a little bit but I actually don't think I owned any of the toys other than the one he-man action figure that had the thing in his chest that when you hit it, it like it all of a sudden looked like he had dented armor and then he rotated it back, and it was regular armor. pretty sure that was the only one that I had so like i don't have a i didn't have a long lasting he man style relationship and and uh this is going to be some preview for my opinions on later. I liked the cartoon less than i remember <laughs> I <liked> it. <laughs> it I was a little uh, bit disappointed in myself
0: very very fast and furious with your opinions on him. you know and I, I
1: think I think as a child, I do remember being very bothered by the uh, stupid repetitiveness of by the, k- by the power of Greyskull, I have the power.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. It's a
1: lot, of, a lot of power built into a, a single phrase.
0: All right, Fair enough. I, I, it, it's, it's very interesting to hear both of your experiences and your relationship that you had being kids of the 80s and, and growing up around that time that He-Man was so popular. I grew up in the 80s as well and He-Man was a huge part of my childhood. My my dad used to purchase action figures for me all the time. I felt like I had dozens and dozens of He-Man figures, even to the point that when they started getting really weird and bizarre characters, my dad was still buying some of these crazy villains for me and some of the heroes that they had. Uh, I, I sent away with a bunch of like the the UPC symbols that they had, and I got Orko <laughs> Box in the tops. mail. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I got Orko in the mail. I had I had Castle Grayskull playset. I also had Snake Mountain as a playset. And so I, I had all of this stuff. So for me, this was a big deal. And I was deeply rooted and invested in He-Man from probably, like, two or three years old, so 80, 82, 83 years old, uh, <laughs> In '82 and '83, when I was like two and three years old, and like this stuff was like becoming very popular, uh, my dad was was buying these these action figures for me. As early as they were available, they were they were given to me, and they were fun toys that I remember having. And I had a blast with them all the way up until about 1987, when somebody came over to my or I went over to a friend's house, and he had a Nintendo Entertainment System. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, oh god, this is so much fun playing Super Mario and Duck Hunt. This is this is crazy. I, I really want to get one. So I asked my mom, and she said the only way that you can get a Nintendo is if we do a yard sale for the current toys that you have. Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. And so oh. I had like I had five gallon Life buckets. Life really just oh. smacking you in the face right there.
2: <laughs> Growing Man. up fast.
0: I, I had five gallon buckets full of action figures. <laughs> that I sold for probably pennies oh. at a yard sale, whatever amount I finally got to. I mean, I sold He-Man, Ninja Turtle action figures. Uh, oh no, N- Ninja Turtles would not have been out at this time. I stand corrected. But I sold my my Voltron mm. that I had, my original Voltron toy, all to get $100 to be able to buy a Nintendo. And there are parts of me that continually think like, oh, I should not have done that. But it's really funny to hear Jason's relationship with the battle damage he-man that you have i still have my battle damage really yes and it is my christmas tree topper every year and i i am weirdly enough wearing a masters of the universe t-shirt as we speak and i also recently purchased a small he-man and skeletor it may or may not have been for this this actual show uh, oh man we're gonna
1: we're gonna fight during this episode aren't we
0: (laughs) Uh, are we promise i mean i hope not i really this show was so pivotal for me i mean i i loved it i loved it so much so if you hate this i i am gonna be i'm gonna be shocked i'm gonna be shocked jason not not to mention that if anybody is familiar i I do want to throw this out there that uh for this evening we have watched two specific episodes of he-man and we'll we'll get into and we'll we'll talk a little bit about them uh in a moment but i i want to say that There is obviously the Netflix documentary, uh, The Toys That Made Us, Mm -hmm. that talks a lot about them. And in the first season, they have a fantastic He-Man episode. So we are now going to talk about some history as well as also a synopsis. But if you were really looking for a deep, in-depth review of why and how He-Man came to fruition, which is almost just a marketing ploy, which is bananas to think about. I highly recommend that you watch that because there is just so much incredible information about He-Man and Masters of the Universe. kind of blew my mind watching it. But if you are not familiar with He-Man, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe is an American animated television series produced by Filmation based on Mattel's toy line Masters of the Universe. The show often referred to simply as He-Man, was one of the most popular animated children's shows of the 1980s and still has a cult following. It made its television debut in September of 1983 and ran until 1985, consisting of two seasons of 65 episodes each, which, for anybody who's been listening for a while, knows that 65 is the magic number for cartoon syndication. So the fact that they got two seasons with 65 episodes, that's that's not a small feat. Reruns continued to air in syndication until 1988, at which point USA Network bought the rights to the series. USA aired He-Man until September of 1990. Reruns of the show are no longer being broadcast on the Cubo Night Owl nor the Retro Television Network in the United States, but the show is now available on Netflix with the caveat of it's only the first season. It's only the first 65 episodes. The second season, you Basically, just have to kind of scour the internet. YouTube has a bunch, and so does Motion.
1: The show takes place on the fictional planet of Eternia, a planet of magic, myth, and fantasy. Its lead character is Prince Adam, the young son of Eternia's rulers, King Randor and Queen Marlena. Can we talk about how absurd of a name King Randor is?
2: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Whenever Prince Adam holds the sword of power aloft and proclaims, By the power of Skull," he is endowed with fabulous secret powers and transformed into He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Together with his close allies, Battle Cat, who undergoes a similar transformation from being Adam's cowardly pet tiger, Cringer, the Sorceress, Teela, Man-at-Arms, and Orko, He-Man uses his powers to defend Eternia from the evil forces of Skeletor. Skeletor's main goal is to conquer the mysterious fortress of Castle Greyskull, from which He-Man draws his powers. If successful, Skeletor would have enough power to rule all of Eternia, and possibly... The entire universe big stakes here
0: guys oh, big man. stakes mm-hmm. good synopsis jason so mm-hmm. yeah there's that it's it's no small no small task for for he-man to be able to defend not only castle grayskull but there is this the fate of the entire known universe mm-hmm. in this existence is is up for grabs so oh yeah, i i
1: appreciate the immense creativity that went into naming some some of these things man at arms, <laughs> man of arms <laughs> The oh, Sword of no. Power. Like, really intense stuff.
2: Evil Lynn?
1: <laughs> Come on, we didn't, we're not. Mean it, mean it. It, it, evil Lynn was not on our uh, on our list of characters to talk about, but I love that one.
0: Really? Because I, I can't tell if you're messing with me based on our previous <laughs> conversation about this. Uh,
1: I mean, you you are aware from our previous episodes just how much I generally enjoy puns. Um, but some of these are even too much for for me.
0: Okay, I, did you did you have a specific like favorite pun named character that was almost too much?
1: Absolutely, the the favorite one, and this one almost put me over the top, and I I, I was having a hard time once it came up in the documentary. But there was a, a villain named Clawful, like awful combined with claw, <laughs> oh. and he had a big claw that was his oh, entire God. superpower. And his name was Clawful. Oh, no. I imagine these are names that, like, we would have come up with in college sitting around drunk on whiskey and been like, no, 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 guys, guys, get this one. Get this one. Nobody will ever understand where it came from.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think the writers of the show were totally sober during the the creation and development.
0: I hope not. I mean, it was the, it was the 80s. Exactly. It was the very early 80s. So then I guess I have to ask, was there a rando pun character name that you can remember, Isabel?
2: No. Well, I mean, the only one was the one I mentioned, the Evil Lynn, when I realized it was probably for like Evelyn, the name Evelyn. And it just okay. made me feel like maybe they hated someone named Evelyn and was like, you know, <laughs> we'll get our own. But yeah. they They
1: did they did avoid one that I, I actually, if they were going to go for incredible puns, uh, Merman, who was a you know superhero who, who had some sea-related powers, could have been called Seaman, and I think that would have fit with the entire rest of the toy line.
0: <laughs> I have to say, I remember the one toy that I owned that I, I really loved, so I guess there were two that were kind of pun cringeworthy that made me laugh a lot. There was one that was called Fisto, and Fisto basically had, I think it was his right arm was like a, a huge silver fist. <laughs> and he had the action where you could pull his, his arm back. I think
2: I remember this. And then he would just
0: like, it would go forward very quickly and kind of punch whatever was in front of it. You know, yeah. he had a fist. So aptly named Fisto. Fisto. Like Christian given birth name, <laughs> Fisto. <laughs> Which to me is bananas. But I think the one for me that always, always takes the cake and was probably one of my my favorite toys that I had when I was growing up was a character named Man E face. Like mane faces And you would know spin exactly. the little Yeah, you'd spin a little like doodad on the top of his helmet and he would rotate through like three or four different faces Whoa. that were kind of hid behind the helmet that he had. Ooh. Uh so you know, it was it was I get I guess maybe it would be like dissociative. Descent or identity disorder, like in modern day times, but in turnia they were just like, Oh no, he's like a guy that does stuff
2: with many faces. (laughs)
0: faces. Oh, this is bringing up more of them.
1: There was a villain named Snake Face who was just a snake.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: I I think that's a crazy trap, jaw who had a trap for a jaw. I mean, there. Let's just throw it out there. There's a guy called uh, Mechanek, which is sort of like a giraffe guy. He had like a metal neck so he could make his neck super long and then he could return it back to like normal size. <laughs> like, I mean, everything that's on this is just bananas. Yeah. And I, I almost love the fact that if you look at some of these toys, the molds that they have for all the men's arms are almost identical, regardless of what crazy character they had. They're almost all identical, but like just different spray tans. Or <laughs> if you're evil, they're like different shades of purple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or hairy. Um, <laughs> which is always fun to see that you know the the common trope or the theme that we've had with a lot of characters that we'll we'll talk about and we'll get into for the episodes that we watched. You know, is always ugly, ugly villains. Yeah. Uh, and like darker uh, shades on the on the visual spectrum. So mm. things that are more like blue or like indigo and purple. Those tend to be thematically like the bad colors, like Mm. your villains are more along that line, which is bananas to think about, but is something that like we've been introduced to pretty much our entire cartoon loving existence uh, for all these different shows. So, man, weird. Yeah. Speaking of weird, I want to kick this off tonight with, of course, the theme song. So to get into it, Isabel, I'd like to start with you. what is your opinion about the He-Man Masters of the Universe theme song?
2: I mean, it um had so much exposition, right? Like it, it was just like, here's a ton of information I'm going to tell you. And it's not even sung, you know, it's just like spoken word, kind of like, here's the background. And the part that made me laugh so hard was when he was like, He-Man said something like, and I discovered my powers after one day Lifting my sword and saying, by the power of Grayskull. And it just was like, it sounded so crazy that he would happen to lift his sword and then say that and then get discover his powers. I just thought the whole thing made no sense. Um, and then, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it just... Then the characters popped up every time he said their name. And then the only memorable part to me of the song is the part we all did. He-Man. You know, like the part where they say... Right well, now I'm forgetting he the two. He man, yeah, to me, and then the rest is just like a cheesy like da 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 da, you know. I don't know. Okay. I didn't like the song.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I I have a hard time right. calling
1: this a theme song. It felt much more like a uh, like a weird spoken word poetry reading because uh, yeah. there really is not like there's it, there's no lyrics to a song. None of it's sung. There no. is some music going on in the background, but but it's really just just Prince Adam and his pink tights. Uh, reading over top of the traditional He-Man music, uh, and and the I had a, I actually had a really hard time understanding the grammar of the paragraph, which I know is maybe a strange <laughs> thing to to have an issue with with the early 1980s. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he he utters a line in there, something like "Only three others share this secret," and I to for the life of me can't understand whether he meant that only three other people know about the fact that he's He-Man, or whether three other people like happen to share the power. Uh, or, like, mm. what, what their involvement was. Because I, I mm-hmm. did not remember Sorceress as at all being involved with this.
0: Uh, any any final thoughts, Jason? Sean, I
1: feel like we are just making you cry.
0: Just deep cuts, <laughs> deep cuts. I did not realize that I was going to be on my heels and be so defensive <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Persuade us. Okay, so I, 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 I will say this. In my breakdown of theme songs this theme song and this introduction begins at the filmation scroll that they have with sort of the the film like seeing the filmation intro and sort of that that accent kind of gleam that it makes at the very end of showing that to me the moment that comes up i immediately recognize this cartoon there's almost no other cartoon i feel like that has like that filmation intro mm-hmm. and so for me it's like very distinct I immediately get excited for what comes next. Then, as we've said, booming voice of just uh, kind of a chorus all in unison just being like, He-Man! And that to me is so fun. And so, I mean, it's the reason that all three of us did it. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's so fun and it's so powerful to kind of draw you in. It, it's It's crazy. Then to hear sort of, Prince Adam, you know, as, as He-Man, just be like, I'm the masters of the universe! And you're like, who are these people? So to me, immediately, you know, you, you get this kind of chorus. Then you have He-Man kind of coming in with that echo voice that he has. That kind of pulled me in. I love the music. That whole, like, you know, just kind of, like, driving sound that they have behind it. That really has been an earworm for me over the last couple of days that I've been watching He-Man episodes. I I really dig the musical component aside. I will agree with the both of you that this is a very, very narrative-based theme song. <laughs> yes. You know? And I, I have no qualms about saying that it really is more of just exposition given to you up front as opposed to really a a, a proper theme song. Uh, as you guys mentioned, there's really no singing. It's really just Prince Adam kind of laying it all on the line for you, and it, it's and and it's about a good fifty seconds of just him being like, "These are the things. This is what happened, and this is what I do." But I think for a show in the '80s that's obviously based on a very successful toy line, they're kind of throwing you into the mix very quickly. And if you didn't have the toys, if you didn't know what was going on, they're catching you up to speed they're backfilling all of that story that you would need so that even in the first episode, uh, you know, they don't give you a ton of history. This isn't an origin story about He-Man. They're dropping you in the middle of it and just expecting you to be able to hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. And so I love the fact that if you're not familiar with this, they're gonna get you caught up in 50 seconds and then you're ready to rock and roll in Eternia in this world. I, Jason, you had a question
1: yeah well so you 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 actually brought this up they they don't they give you in the the theme uh spoken word paragraph uh that in the the beatnik poetry (laughs) reading that there isn't going to be much backstory uh and he's just going to continue to refer to these as secret powers that that need to be defended and i think maybe that was part of why i struggled with it a little bit because it to me, that that doesn't give you much of the stakes involved. Like, I don't know, why do I care about these secret powers in this rando world uh, out there? So um, I, for some reason, a very muscle-bound grown man just talking <laughs> about his secret powers feels a little bit, to me, like what you would say if you were driving around in a van and you wanted kids to get into it. Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs>
0: oh, man, I, 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 can't, I can't disagree with you enough on this. I, I honestly, I really can't. I... I <laughs> You know, understanding that this was a toy line that was put together with essentially marketing information that they had that was available about what would be attractive and marketable towards kids. This is almost like a master class in advertising. And then to adapt that toy line and turn it into a successful cartoon is, is no small feat as well. And, and so to be able to kind of pull some of those things in, if you're a new you were a kid who hasn't seen the cartoon if you've only played with the toys if you've played with both I think it does a good job of kind of catering to audiences plus I think it does a good job of if if I was a parent in the 80s and I was watching this cartoon and I saw it I'd be like you're right this is just a shirtless dude with a Swedish 70s style (laughs) kind of haircut running around and screaming a bunch with a weird echo voice what what's the deal but I think as a kid and as a parent, it sets you on a level playing field, and I, I think that it, it, it makes it successful. I think for me, it really kind of pumped me up and got me into what the show is. But you're saying the opposite.
1: I mean, you're wrong. That That's that's Jesus the end of the episode. Christ. You're wrong.
2: And I'll just add that uh-huh. like, as a 7- or 8-year-old watching this, I think that summary intro went right over my head. I don't think I got it at all, you know? And you know what was confusing to me as a kid is that they call the show He-Man, but he introduces himself as Adam. And, like, right away, it's like, wait, which one are you, you know? Well, I mean, he's, he's both. He's both, he's but, both. like... You're
0: going to find out that he's both. Yeah, yeah. You know? Okay. Okay. <sighs> Gosh, this is...
3: This
1: Sean, Sean, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I feel, like, I feel like I just kicked you in the nuts there. No, no, no. Metaphorically.
0: I, I just, I, I'll say I love everything about this introduction, and I, I'll say it's an introduction as opposed to more of a theme song. Even the Cringer transformation when he turns into Battle Cat, I, I just, I, I love that whole moment of just like a scared tiger because let's be honest they really got their money's worth out of that transformation because it's in almost every single episode we <laughs> use that cell oh. animation over and over and over again
1: i i will say i think maybe one of the reasons why i was so surprised uh that i didn't have the positive reaction to rewatching these that i thought i would is my remembrance of the toy line was a little bit darker like it was a little bit more really serious superhero and really evil big bad and the cartoon show is actually much more goofy and lighthearted like in the in the cartoon mm. show Skeletor is the comedic relief and and Adam when he's not He-Man and he's still Adam is uh is like a bumbling kind of doesn't really know what's going on like sweethearted Super ripped guy, and so I think I think that may have been part of my struggle with it. Is my remembrance of what the TV show was like was a lot more serious and dark than than what it actually was. Okay, and I, had, I hadn't watched it since I was probably six.
0: And that, that's that's a big part of of rewatching a lot of these these cartoons in general is just whatever you have as that memory or that anchor point when you're younger versus modern day as an adult rewatching them and trying to figure out and fill that gap of what was it what I thought as a kid what was my emotional impression that I walked away with and now what is my critical impression that I have as an adult when I'm watching this so I mean I I I can get that and you're not wrong I mean Skeletor definitely is the comedic relief in this and it's I mean I don't know I just I love seeing him be so fucking goofy I mean Skeletor was
1: (laughs) Skeletor was by far my favorite character of both episodes that we watched. I wanted to slap He-Man in the face a couple of times.
0: There are so many weird things that are that are in this. Uh, oh, God. There are even things... we If anybody remembers, and you go back in our back catalog, I think it's episode 49 and episode 50. So going back three and a half something years, uh, we had guest Laura Barber on the show to talk about drug episodes that are in cartoons, and we talked about a very specific human I'm so episode.
1: excited. That's not a cartoon. Sorry.
0: That's not a cartoon. <laughs> That's Saved by the Bell. That's Jesse Spano. It's weird that I know exactly what that is. I am frightened for myself. <laughs> Shit. All right. Any thoughts? Are you thoughts? scared? Scared straight? As an 80s <laughs> reference? No. All right, any final any final thoughts about our introduction slash theme song? Okay, great. Let's move on to animation style. Isabel, what are your thoughts about our animation style?
2: Okay. Um, so one of the things that I think confused me as a kid and now as an adult is Castle Grayskull and the way it looks. Okay. Because that's He-Man's home base, right? Castle Gray School.
0: So Castle Gray School, from my understanding, is where the sorceress lives, oh. and his father, uh, King King you you want to say King Rando. <laughs> 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 uh, they, I guess they they live in a in a proper castle.
2: Okay, because the thing about Castle Gray School is it looks very uh, foreboding to me. You know, very scary with the, I don't know, the way the. It's kind of got claws coming down from it a little bit sure, around it the is. entrance. It, it's it's formidable. Yeah, and so it, the fact that that is He Man's kind of area just didn't make sense, especially because Skeletor has the name Skell. You know, it's like skull, and then Castle Gray Skull. Doesn't that
0: isn't that confusing? I mean, you'd think it'd be his home base. Though. Yes,
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it looks very be, evil. It <laughs> looks evil. It sounds like his name. I don't know, but um. Yeah. Then I thought that their blue bus was hilarious. It looked a lot to me like the Scooby-Doo bus. And that was another favorite show from around this time. But I guess the thing I liked most about the animation was every time that they would cast a spell on each other, I liked the kind of glowy, um, you know, vapor that would come out of like the finger or the hands and kind of like shimmer around them uh, while it was affecting them. So I thought that some of that was just kind of very... Um, fun and trippy to look at.
0: Very cool, Jason. What were your thoughts? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, this this reminded me a lot of the late '70s, early '80s animation style. Um, it felt very akin to me to a lot of the Hanna Barbera cartoons, or even some of the other things that Filmation made. Like I remember watching the uh, the Fat Albert cartoons, and mm. um, yeah. and it and it looks the same to the point where it felt like they copied some of the animation from one and moved it to the other. Like I would agree that that the the truck that they drive around in that I'm totally blanking on the name of uh, looked exactly like the Scooby Doo Van. Um yeah uh, in
0: the attack track. Oh the track attack
1: track. The <laughs> um the uh the that transformation sound whenever they like or a magic spell happen sounded exactly to me like the sound when in the Flintstones the Great Gazoo would show up and then disappear, same exact sound. The oh in the first one, the 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 voice that the wizard uh, uses sounds exactly to me like the the panther character from the Hanna Barbera cartoons. So like it it there were parts of it that felt good that felt good to me because it was repetitive and and it brought me back to some of those older cartoons. But every once in a while I was watching that and I was like, come on, you guys just pulled that out of your back lot. Which I guess if they were <laughs> making these cartoons solely to sell the toy line, uh, makes sense. They were going to do it uh, on the least budget that they could. So um, I don't know, it, it felt very typical of, of the, the style of that time for me.
0: Okay. It's, uh, I, I want to point out that the, the episode that, we, um, that we're talking about is actually episode one, uh, co- the, the cosmic comet. So this is the the pilot episode and we're referencing the the wizard uh zaggrass uh that they have that's that's in here uh, and he does have a very he does have a very kind of 70s goofy voice like hey what's going on here oh these comets are coming! yeah and so <laughs> you you
1: did that so
2: perfectly that was excellent Sean that was dead on
0: I've watched this episode a bunch of times over and over <laughs> again uh but it has it's a very recognizable voice and it, it it is, and we, we could talk about this a little bit more in characters next. Like there, there are there can be some moments, and there there can be some goofiness and silliness in this. So, Jason, I, I do agree with you to your point that you know this this show kind of it felt like in my childhood it may have had a little bit of a darker tone, and I don't know how much of that was kind of inspired and influenced when we finally had the He Man live action movie mm-hmm. that was a little bit darker. Oh, Dolph Lundgren. Or, Dolph Lundgren. So, we, you know, we, we had a lot of things that kind of translated over from that in terms of the the grittiness, which it didn't kind of retain the humor that the cartoon had. Uh, so, and I can see that being there for different reasons. Cartoon in the early 80s was obviously marketing towards kids, and then watching the live action was like, hey, you've grown up with this, hopefully, potentially – Here's a little bit more of a raw, grittier version of of He-Man. Are you into it? Nope. Okay, well, we're never making this into a movie again. Don't worry about it. I'll say for me, in terms of the animation style, I think for some of the contemporaries that were around this time, Ralph Bakshi did a lot of work with with Fire and Ice, and some of these late 70s, early 80s animated films that he did. uh, He did Wizards as well. These are... I love watching this style of animation during that period of time, and and there are moments and there are clips of watching, especially this first episode, where I can see that style being very present as sort of a case in point, that moment where they are fighting the creatures that the comet has sent down, and Tila sort of rushes into battle into the front of the screen, like right in the middle of everything, and then she pauses, Jankily turns around and then runs back towards the camera again. I was oh. like, oh, this feels like straight Ralph Bakshi kind of like jank animation, but but the campiness and because I know the time that this was created, I I love watching that. I really like that. I, I think the thing that this show does very well is its color palette. Mm. And I, I talked a little bit about Skeletor and sort of the purple, uh, but you know, you 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 do get a lot of Beastman, you know, very red evil Lynn, very uh, blue, and again, very dark purple. Mm -hmm. And so you get such a wide variety of characters. And and this almost does something that kind of breaks the color theory that I I introduced earlier in this episode, is that they have so many characters that are across a very vivid spectrum that when you saw them as toys, they were so recognizable to you. I mean, they were so much fun to see. And, And to have those toys and then to see it in the cartoon and have that color kind of be similar because we all know that we've seen cartoons and then we've gone into a store and we've looked at toys and we're just like that doesn't look the way that i think it looks i felt like he-man in my like emotional kid brain always lived up to what i was looking for and so you know being probably four or five years old when i got castle grayskull it felt dirty and, and dingy and formidable Snake Mountain felt creepy. It had that weird boom mic on it that made your voice kind of echoey, sort of like He-Man, which again was sort of a confusing point because <laughs> it was supposed to be a bad place. So I, I, to see some of that and to, to go back to the animation style, I think they're, you're right that they are trying to stretch a budget and they are reusing a lot of animation and Filmation's known for that as well. Uh, you know, and, and especially for the influences you know from some of these Hanna-Barbera cartoons that were popular during that time. You can definitely see a lot of that color palette kind of go back and forth between Filmation and Hanna-Barbera. But I I enjoy that for that time. That's what's so funny. And then as we're kind of rolling into characters and stuff like that, I know that we talked about Attack Track. There are modes of transportation that are in this show that have no place in being modes of transportation. They are confusing beyond all get-out. But you sit there and you watch it and you think, well, it's a it's a tread that's shaped like a long oval, and it oh, it shouldn't it shouldn't work. But then <laughs> but then I think about the toy, uh, the animal. Do you guys remember this from the eighties? It had the theme song. It just goes, "Nothing can stop the animal," and it was a like a, a monster truck that had claws that came out of the tires, mm-hmm. so that if you had like you know two or three sticks and you, you drove up to it with this RC monster truck, you could hit a button, deploy the claws, and then it would kind of climb over it. And so I, I thought that you saw some of that with the attack track in this episode. And so for me, there were there were moments that was like, not only is this referencing like the color palette of Hanna-Barbera, but this also feels like it's placed well within those 80s toys that I know and love. And so this, this kind of felt welcoming. I know Jason's going to shit on everything I just said.
1: No, no, I, th- I think there... This, this actually comes up a lot when we've been discussing cartoons that where they occurred in your childhood plays a huge role in how much you like them as an adult because right. there is so much nostalgia to them. So I don't have a strong relationship with this as a child. Um, and so I don't think I have the same attachment to loving the style of it that, that I would if I had watched it a little bit more. Um, this actually came up uh, when I was on with you for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode where that was in my wheelhouse of like age six and seven and I loved it and I went back and rewatched it and I was like young Jason was an idiot that this entertained him there is this like very (laughs) lowbrow but I still love it like I still would have rewatched every episode if you sit me down in front of Thundercats even though every episode has the exact same plot I will watch the whole thing and so I think, I think I lack some of that intense connection as a child. Um, and so some of the familiarity and the, the tropes about it, uh, because they've been done so many times since then, feel a little bit old and used to me. And, and that's because this was one of the originals. Oh,
0: fair enough. Fair enough. Gang, we have talked so much about all these different actual characters. Uh, for, for the episodes that we watched, so I, I mentioned that we watched season one, episode one, we watched the pilot, which is called the Cosmic Comet. We also watched season two, episode forty-five. It's called "The Problem with Power," which is the highest-rated IMDb episode uh, that is out there. Um, so we've we've been able to watch both of those. I want to concentrate on the characters that we really saw in that that opener, in that pilot episode. And so, just to be very quickly, we saw uh, Prince Adam slash He-Man, Duncan or Man at Arms, Tila. Sorceress, Skeletor, Evil Lynn, Beastman, and Orco. And so out of these these you know, and King Rando for all of like two seconds. So uh, and we had Zagrass as well and we we've kinda We kinda talked about him a little bit. But out of all these characters, uh, any anything I know that we've talked a little bit about uh, Prince Adam and He Man and his sort of uh, his his fashionable haircut choices. <laughs> any Anything else that we we want to talk about about He-Man Prince Adam?
2: Well, I didn't realize like uh that his Adam persona was so goofy or like um if you listen to his voice, I think he sounds like Owen Wilson. And uh when he's doing his had Adam voice, and he thinks he's really funny. He thinks he's hilarious, you know? Like he's always calling people like furface or rockhead, you know? And and uh and coming up with these little one-liners like oh that's the last time I wrestle a comet you know and it's just like they all fall so flat and um it just made me the I couldn't believe that this was the alter ego they created for He Man you know it's nothing like Superman's alter ego who's somewhat like professional and with it and you know this guy just comes across as like a total dope and there were many points throughout the episode where I thought he was acting kind of dumb. And I don't know, I just was shocked. I thought he would be this kind of like intelligent hero and instead he's something else, a just strong guy.
0: So you're saying that even as the strong man, even as He-Man, that he was still kind of like goofy and bad one-liners and... And, and would
2: do stuff that doesn't seem the way a hero would act. Like huh. there was one point where he was chasing somebody, he tripped over a rock, fell down. Okay, fine, that's fine. But then he... Stands up and just stands and holds his head a while, and then goes looking for Cringer. So Me-
0: he's Prince Adam at this point.
2: Right? Oh, is he Prince Adam he at Prince that point? Adam, he's Prince Adam. At oh, that point. okay, you're right. So I guess what I'm saying is that as Prince Adam, it sometimes seems like he does really dumb shit.
0: <laughs> but then to your point though, like he calls Beastman Furface mm-hmm. in that opening moment where he like grabs him from the back of Battle Cat and throws him off the side of a bridge, mm-hmm. and he's like, whatever, Furface. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay. You know, but he does make the comment as He Man. He's like, That's the last time I wrestle a comet. And you're just like oh, God. How many times has this happened before? <laughs> How many times has your life been in peril where you're just like, Fuck, I gotta fight a comet today. Oh, <gasps> give me my sword.
1: I do it I do it at least three times a week. Also call it the morning constitutional.
2: <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> so those he, are my thoughts on He Man. Those are yeah. your thoughts on He Man? Yeah.
0: All right, Jason. Thoughts on He-Man, Prince Adam?
1: Uh, so I, you know what, I, I actually didn't find this first episode particularly compelling, um, either in the character development or the introduction, and and I, it might be because I had uh, watched the documentary about the toys before I watched the cartoon. If you're gonna do that, I would go the other direction, um, which I get as a when you're trying to introduce and you're aiming it at young kids, needing an intense uh, difference between. The He-Man character and the Prince Adam character makes a little bit of sense, but I agree I I found him a little bit too dumb and incompetent in the in the Prince Adam role. Um, and uh, and and it it took me out of the cartoon a little bit.
0: So my impression upon rewatching He-Man is I can't believe that every every other Eternian, everybody on Eternia, these Eternians can't figure out that this is just one fucking human (laughs) that was the most mind-boggling thing at least superman was like i'm gonna put on a pair of glasses right i'm gonna put a suit on over top of my costume he man is the same skin tone he is the same 70s swedish extended bowl cut hair he's literally the same everything he's just wearing less Less, clothes yeah just wearing
2: a halter top kind of or not even a halter top (laughs) like a I don't even know it's how to like describe bandol- it. It's like a bandolier. Yes, yes.
0: Uh, like almost like a bandolier that he has that's across his chest. Yeah,
1: that that serves no purpose.
2: No. Nope. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, it's I not even it, where I he keeps his sword. His toy. Yeah, I mean, he could sheath his sword back behind him, you know. And, and I mean, that 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 has some utility or function, you know. I mean, it, I mean, it did a it did a better job of like showing off and complimenting his his pecs at that point. I, mean, I mean,
1: am I the only one of the three of us that thinks it looks like a gimp harness? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> no, uh, come on, you're telling me that you didn't look at that and think I,
0: that? I never fucking thought that in a million years. <laughs> the the either, man is in, like, a <laughs>
1: European-style Speedo, and he's got, he's got leather straps across his chest with a, with a circular
0: ring in the center of it. <laughs> I, I, you're, you're two against one on this, man. I'm sorry. We're, possible we're that I'm a down. terrible person. Well, Too my possible.
2: question is, as little boys. Did you guys find him to be very like, uh, like the way you thought a hero should look?
0: Oh, fuck. Great question. Yes. He must've appealed, yeah, right? I mean, there there was definitely a, a part of it that was, you know, he was, and I want, I want to frame this question in saying that during this time, reading uh, a lot of comic books and, and everything else. You know, 80, 83 when this came out, I was probably moving from like Duplo blocks into to Legos and then to He-Man and a bunch of toys. And I was beginning to kind of discover comic books and, mm-hmm. and uh, trading cards at that time, probably trading cards before I got into comic books. So they had all these like Marvel X-Men cards and stuff. And so looking at these heroes and understanding it, I mean, they are... They are bigger than life, you know. the The muscles that they have are are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They're they're giants. They're giants, and so looking at it as a as maybe a four or five year old and, and looking at and, and seeing these things, you know, the immediate thought is like, do people actually look like
2: this? Yeah.
0: You know, is this is this like a real thing? So I mean, yeah, I think in some way it does kind of shape your idea of what visually a hero looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely, Jason.
1: You you know I I think and some of this may have just been the cartoons that I liked growing up. I tended more towards the heroes who, who were always who they were. So I I was never a massive Superman fan. I liked the bat the Batman cartoon series, but because it was the best cartoon series in the history of the world. Um, wow. You
0: said that in a way that almost made me think you were going to shit on it. Like, <laughs> no, it was real so fucking good. Lightly, Fred. Bum, bum, Tread bum, real
1: bum, lightly. Bum, bum. Um, no, but, but I, I tended to enjoy more of, like, the, the Turtles cartoons, where, like, they were Turtles all the time, or X-Men, who generally didn't have to, they couldn't hide their identities, like, they were just who they were all the time, rather than this clear alter ego um, I, I was never a big Spider-Man fan, so like I, I, I don't know what about that spoke more to me, that, mm-hmm. that the heroes that I enjoyed were the ones who kind of were who they were all the time rather than having these clear sides to their persona that they, they huh. hid from the world. Um, and that, that, that may... I don't know what that says about me psychologically. Somebody that's listening to this probably can can come up with that. Maybe I view myself uh, as I, a superhero I mean, all the time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> if it, If it means anything, it just simply means that you don't like superheroes that wear BDSM stuff. I mean
1: that's that's actually one hundred percent true. Yeah. If I have lived by a life rule, no BDSM stuff on my superheroes.
0: I, I wanna I, I wanna dig further into that, but I feel like that's a session that we should just have Yeah privately. I don't I, I think I think if I dig any further into that
1: I will not be allowed to work in the career that I work in.
0: So good points all around about He Man. Really interesting to learn a lot more about Jason and sort of what makes him tick, <laughs> or what his kink is—I I don't know. Either, no either, shame, either, no either shame, or. no shame. No kink no shaming. No shame. Uh, no kink shaming on this, Jason. So <laughs> you know, you let let your weird non-BDSM eighty superhero <laughs> flag fly, buddy, as much as you want. But I want to ask, out of out of all these other characters, I know that we had a lot. Uh, was, was there anybody that really stood out to you? Was there anybody that you were like, yes, that's. That's the person we did have. Uh, we did have three female characters mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. were in this, mm-hmm, Yeah. Uh, and one magical character. So you know, uh, we're not we're not at a 50-50 split in terms of gender equality, <laughs> but I- I'd say maybe more than some other cartoons that we've watched in this time.
2: No, I was actually really impressed with Tila and the sorceress because they kind of represented two different types of female power. Like Tila was kind of the badass one who would be ready to go fight with He Man. And Duncan and then the sorceress was kind of the mystical healer, you know, a little bit more feminine and soft, but still powerful. So I liked both of them a lot. Um, I remember as a kid thinking the sorceress was really pretty and I <laughs> I liked It was the her, wings like, that did it. Yeah, the wings and the headdress and the way she kind of sparkles sometimes. Um,
0: Jason, you weren't saying that sarcastically. We are not bird king shaming <laughs> on this episode. No,
1: no, I, that. It was <laughs> the wings that did it.
3: If it you catch my drift. <laughs> the wings that did it for you as well. Oh boy,
2: <laughs> they did it for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> but my question is: Is Tila Man at Arms' daughter?
0: She is. yes. No.
2: What? No. So point where it seemed not like biological, oh.
0: but through adoption.
2: Okay. I was there was a say, moment she calls him father.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it is very confusing and when I was doing uh research for the show uh which is just Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> it was uh it was something that came up and it is is very weird that they are not biologically related.
2: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um and I liked both their outfits. I thought they looked cool. I don't know. I was into the female characters. Okay.
1: Yeah. I completely forgot that Tila and the sorceress and She-Ra were not all the same character.
3: Like I had clearly
1: not paid attention to this in a long time. So it took me a little bit at the beginning to remember. They don't do a great job of explaining that it's actually the sorceress that... Originally gives Adam the sword and sort of introduces him to this secret power, um, right, right. and and then that that Tila sort of the the female sidekick for him. So I thought that it was cool to to remember because all I really remembered was that there was that there was a character named Shira and this bird lady with the wings.
2: <laughs> yes. sexy bird lady. <laughs> it's gonna be so my wait, costume what? for Halloween this year. Oh
0: no! Yes. So wait, was it confusing that there was a sorceress and a Shira? I mean, they're very they're very different people.
1: No, I just in my you know I hadn't watched this in in several decades. I I didn't remember there being completely separate characters for all this, and that I think Shira was actually He Man's sister, maybe. Um, but I, I didn't remember them that many different female characters. So I, that was cool. This was pretty early, early on to have that many strong female characters.
0: Yeah, I did enjoy that as well. And to clear everything up, Teela is. Um Duncan slash man at arms, although they never really give you Duncan's full name, it's just Duncan or Mm. Man at Arms, which is what they commonly refer to him as he is Tila's foster father. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And they they mention this and they get into it, I guess, in some pre-film filmation stories that they had. Probably like on the back of of packages, or I think they did like a, a comic book. Oh yeah, they had those little mini comics that came with the toys. Little mini comic books, mm-hmm. and so I, I they they kind of gave some of that exposition. So you know when they were throwing us into the series itself, they had kind of hoped that we had bought the toys. You know they they were relying on the fact that it was a toy line first mm-hmm. to bring you into the the cartoon. So oh man, uh, I, I want to say for for characters that really stood out to me, it was Orko. Uh, Orko? I think Orko is, uh, I love him, and I'm also grossed out by him. Uh, you know, being able to sort of see the the magic that he has that sort of, uh, that he's capable of, but also just kind of, it, it, it works when it's convenient. And uh, uh, the reason why I'm kind of creeped out by him sometimes is that I'm, you know... He's able to kind of body shift and there's sort of like a weird body horror thing that he seems to, to be capable of doing. That kind of always, I think, frightened me as a kid. But I remember the action figure and the toy being so cool that it it helped me get over that almost immediately. Like when he came in the mail that day, I was blown away. Like, oh my God, somebody will really send me an action figure in the mail. That That to me was probably like best day of being six years old. <laughs>
2: What did the Orca uh, figurine do? Did it
0: Oh, I think a hey, Orca just had arms that like moved mm. up and down and I think you could pull he like he had little tire treads underneath him and you could kinda of pull him back mm. to uh, like to uh, like create tension on a rubber band and then you'd let go and he just kinda of, like motorized and moved forward. I think that was it. That was like the extent of it, but for some reason it was the coolest fucking <laughs> thing.
2: <laughs> no, it sounds good. <laughs>
0: Any, any, other, any other characters that you have that... And obviously, we are not going to get to every single character that's in the show because we've named a couple of the crazier ones so far. We've talked a little bit about some of the characters that we've seen in this first episode. Uh, but I really want to kind of dig in and get to some of maybe the, the unanswered questions <laughs> uh, and some of these things about the plot. Mm-hmm. So very quickly, again, we watched episode one, pilot of the first season, The Cosmic Comet. And Season 2, Episode 45, The Problem with Power. But first, let's get into the Cosmic Comet. And I want to kind of ask you guys, uh, what, was there anything from this opener, uh, any questions that you had, any, anything that you were just like, that, that didn't make sense? We're, we're not going to go beat by beat through the actual episode, but uh, I want to know what your, what your questions are, because I, I feel like I've got some people who are detractors on how great He-Man it is as a franchise in a cartoon, and so it's kind of – I'm get, I'm defensive. I'm getting real defensive on this. Jason, what do you got?
1: The whole episode. Oh, <laughs> <Jesus Christ. laughs> there is nothing in this first pilot episode that is not Deus Ex Machia. It is just there's a random magical comet that that is evil because some other random super-powered <laughs> wizard stole its companion comet. <laughs> and then the way, the way that they defeat it is just by making a third comet. <laughs> like, like there, I, 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 it was very simplistic storytelling, which again, maybe fits for a, for a pilot. But I, th- I felt like I wanted more from my 1982 Swedish blonde haired cartoon star. <sighs>
0: I, I mean, it's such a broad question. I don't even know how to how to answer or uh, approach it, other than provide some context and some exposition about what it is. Much like the introduction, <laughs> so it, the idea that this wizard uh, Zagras has—he's created a bunch of different comets and celestial bodies, and he's sort of the one that's responsible for everything. And he's the guy with the with a very goofy voice, in his infinite wisdom, and sort of boasting some of the powers that he had. He had created these two comets uh, that were sort of uh, working in tandem, and they they seemed like they were friends, they had heart, and they kind of had this companionship. And he, I guess, had been kind of high off of his powers. He attempted to do something. It destroyed one of the comets. The remaining comet out of that duo uh, became very lonely and very empty and lost its heart. And so Jason is correct that at the very end of the episode, they create a comet. And they launch it into the sky, uh, and and because that comet that they launched in the sky has been filled with everybody's love, uh, and and their their kind of their their best wishes and understanding, the evil comet that's in the sky now has a friend, and so they're now uh, he's satisfied. He's no longer uh, he's no longer brooding or evil or uh, a moody teen.
2: <sighs> yeah, I just remember thinking that for kids to focus on a comet and a comet's powers is kind of abstract a little bit you know what i mean like <laughs> but this is the part i had a hard time with so it was a very preachy episode because they were really trying to hammer home a point about believing in yourself right, right because right. poor wizard Zagras or whatever was so um insecure that he couldn't you know save the day um until he started believing him in himself but what originally got him into trouble was his like his ego, he thought he was clever enough to do something with the comets and it right. backfired. So, on one hand, they're saying, don't try to be too clever or don't let your ego or your hubris get you carried away. Then at the end of the episode, they're saying, but believe in yourself fully. So, I was confused. Isn't that a little bit of a mixed message?
1: You better believe in yourself, but don't believe in yourself too much.
0: Fingers yes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <no. laughs> I feel like it's a. I feel like it's a pretty good message. I feel like the whole believe in yourself is there. I, I feel like you know you can you can have hubris. You can you can kind of be confident in your own abilities, but at some point, you know, uh, you have to kind of be a little bit understanding. You have to kind of draw a line, you know. And so, uh, I, I don't know. I. I God, it's, you guys, are, you guys are killing me with this. Sean, it's
1: entirely possible that my lack of understanding of this episode. Comes from the fact that subtlety is not one of my human traits, uh, and mm-hmm. so I may just not get it.
2: No, okay. I think we're getting it just fine. <laughs> I think we're. <laughs> I don't think it's us. <laughs> it's not. It's not me. I mean, it's honestly, you. How long do you think the writers took to write this episode? Forty-five minutes. Three oh, <laughs> one hour. <laughs> But what you were saying about this was introduced to, like, supplement a toy line. I just don't know if they really put a lot of care into the writing. Maybe. Okay. Sorry, Sean.
0: No, no. I mean, I think for 130 episodes, I I would hope and I would believe and understand that for as successful as the toy line was, that they, you know, that they would kind of nature and they would create something that was interesting. And and yes, it it is in that that early to mid-80s period where a lot of cartoons tried to have a theme or a moral or, and, and communicate that to, to its viewership. I, I can definitely see how that can be confusing. Uh, you know, but I, I think, you know, ultimately it sort of ends with, with man at arms, giving you that idea of like, you know what, like you should be confident and you should believe in yourself. And I, I I'll say this. I still feel that way. I know that there's definitely, I definitely have a, a difficult ego as a human being. And I I will, I will swear up and down that I don't have an ego and that it doesn't exist. And then I will turn right around and be like, Oh no, I'm a massive monster.
2: What the, what the actual fuck am I doing right now? How am I a human
0: being?
1: Sean, this is actually an intervention for you that this is a very elaborate ruse. It's more than 200 episodes of your podcast. And we are here tonight to talk to you about your ego.
0: If this could turn into something where, it, like, the intervention of it's just called, like, Hey Man, but you do it in the original He-Man, and you're like,
3: Hey Man! <laughs> hey you gotta, Man! You gotta chill, bro. <laughs> yeah, hey yeah, man. there's actually a
1: banner dropping behind you right now.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: son of a... How great would it have been if there was a banner behind you That right really now? Oh, would have been pretty
0: good. Oh, so good. Been... Damn it. Uh... You know, but I, I think that like I think that being confident in in yourself and your abilities I think is is a good thing to realize. Sure. I feel like a lot of times there are people who are just like I want to do a thing, but oh, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit uh, on the fence about whether I want to do it or not. And, and you know, I don't think that everybody should do everything. I think that you should try to find things that you know are are within your your wheelhouse or things that you enjoy doing or things that uh, as opposed to being feeling obligated to do something like you should find joy and passion and you should be confident in the things that you do along that line Mm uh you know but it's it can be a hard a hard message all right i feel you guys on on how conflicting this may have been can i can i ask a question yeah to you guys yeah about the thing that that i found confusing about this episode your show you can ask us anything you want (laughs) Uh, all right Zagras. Best wizard or worst fucking wizard in the world?
2: <laughs> worst fucking wizard in the world.
0: <laughs> I
1: mean, he's a pretty terrible wizard. If we're, if we're ranking wizards, like at the top end are, are like Gandalf, the wizard from the uh, Sword in the Stone cartoon. Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm.
0: Oh
1: God! Yeah, uh, Dumbledore.
2: <laughs> Dumbledore. Harry Potter. Dumbledore
1: is right up there. Top. Yeah, right up there.
0: Upper echelon.
1: Was- <laughs> um, and then you go like several orders of magnitude down, uh, and then there's Zagras.
0: Oh my God! So I I I, I agree he's, with you. He's
1: I, a he's a weird old psychotic man in a night. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Wow. with a five foot long beard. <laughs> And I thought his name was Sadgrass. And I was like, oh my God, because he's so sad. You know? Oh <laughs> I wish it was Sadgrass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I wanna say that uh for, for Zaggrass's magical acumen, when your when your spells sound like you are pleading <laughs> with something, like I mean and, and, no lie, at one point he's he's looking at the comment and he's just going,
3: Fly,
0: fly, fly. Like he's He's begging in an in, in inanimate object that has been filled with heart to to move into the sky and 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 to the comet's defense, the comet's like, "I'm I'm doing the best I can right now. I'm a fucking comet." <laughs> and, and like that that kind of that that at the very end of the episode kind of took me out of it. I was like, oh, "I'm willing to I'm willing to." buy and allow every weird thing that has happened to this point, everybody falling in mud countless times, mm-hmm. weird modes of transportation, Adam Prince Adam's kind of nerdy persona that's <laughs> dork versus, you know, he suddenly disappears, and then nobody seems to be really concerned about where Prince Adam is at any point in time. Uh, and the costume changes. The costume change from from him is, is so identical. I, I can't believe that nobody saw that, but... <sighs> that magic spell was kind of what took me out of the episode. <laughs> yeah. that, that was the moment where I was like, oh no, damn it. I and mean, I appreciate We're that
1: you had a breaking moment. It, it seemed to take a lot to get there. I'm a bit worried about
0: your standards. I, 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 I They are very high. <laughs> Didn't you hear the entire conversation I had about ego, Jason? <laughs> they are ridiculously unobtainable at any point in time. <laughs> oh man. All right, any... Anything that you guys, any final comments about the cosmic comet?
1: I was really disappointed in it as a pilot episode. I feel like the the job of the pilot episode is to to really introduce you to the characters and the big bad. And, and instead of Skeletor being the primary focus of it, it's this comet that is never going to reappear in the cartoons again. It's not the primary evil, but it's the focus of the pilot show. And I feel like that was a, a bad choice if you're really trying to introduce these characters and get people invested into them. Um, Skeletor should have been the primary one that they were fighting against. And I know that he was behind the evil of the comet, but, but they really focused on the comet. And I, I think that was a bad choice.
2: But the next episode that we watch is much better, Sean. So right. don't okay. worry. All right.
0: Well, the, you, you Jason does a great way of segueing to talk about Skeletor, uh, to talk about this highest rated episode on IMDb. Season 2, episode 45, The Problem with Power. Now, I, again, we're not going to get into all the details. I, I highly recommend going out and finding this on, on YouTube or Daily Motion and watching it because this is my question for this entire episode. Is Skeletor comes up with a fantastic, emotionally scarring to He-Man plan and is clearly the center of the conflict that's in this episode. So, why didn't Skeletor employ this earlier, and often he could have massively scarred prince adam he man on a, in a on a mental uh wavelength way earlier on than he could have, but he just i guess decided to create this plan towards the the end of the series run it It seemed so almost successful, yeah, that I don't know why it wasn't used earlier
1: so. I love this plan. His plan was to make He-Man think that he had killed somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then He-Man would no longer be able to be a hero because he didn't believe himself to be one. That is that is such a beautiful, diabolical, evil plan. Like As much as I yes. hated yeah. the big bad in the first episode, I love it in this one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he refers to He-Man in the beginning of the episode as a do-gooder, and... Um, And that's why the plan will work because he thinks that he has like a a good heart, you know? Um, So maybe Skeletor didn't, it took him time to realize what a conscientious, you know, kind of like good guy he man and Prince Adam are like, it's not, that wouldn't work on everyone. Some people would feel a little guilty, but not devastated enough to throw away their sword, you know?
0: Right. I, I just, I thought that this episode was, was so great because you actually saw, the, the scale, or at least a small glimpse of the scale at which Skeletor is attempting to invade and attack Ternia. And so he's, he's built sort of this large monolith in this town, and he's using it as a way to be able to, to summon over uh, henchmen and, and these, these different creatures to, to be able to attack.
2: I think you're referring to the dimensional gate. The dimensional <laughs> gate.
0: And so to, to have this dimensional gate to be able to, as like a recruitment tool, it, just, it, seems, it seems great, and it seems so cool.
1: Just to give the listeners out there a visual, the dimensional gate looks like <laughs> if you took the claw game from an arcade, you know, that was going to pick up the little <laughs> stuffed animals and then flipped it upside down. That's a dimensional yeah. gate. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: yeah. I thought it just looked like a weirder Stargate. But I guess I could see, like, of a Stargate... Had a kid with a claw hand arcade <laughs> game machine that was flipped upside down. Does that meet your qualifications, Jason?
1: Yeah, th- this has gone to a very weird place.
0: <laughs> okay, hey, look, like, don't...
1: like I, I'm imagining what what, what the moment. what the Stargate and the claw games genitals would be like, oh, and how they would interface, and and, and and I'm just I I think I'm I'm struggling right now.
0: <laughs>
2: Jason,
0: this I this. This has now officially gone into Saturday morning cartoons after dark. Ooh. Gone into that territory. Holy shit! I, I, you know, of all the things that we would have in this show that you would wonder where genitals are, it's it's the portal, it's the dimensional <laughs> gate that you're concerned about. Well,
1: I mean, I, I understand where He Man's genitals are. They're right underneath his European speedo. Yeah, That's not a question. like a
0: loincloth, like a furry loincloth. Conan the Barbarian style Does furry loincloth.
1: Does You know, and I assume I s- thought he just has Skeletor. Uh, yeah, they, they I mean. this look
2: like underpants?
1: Yeah, they do. They, they look like tidy whitey briefs that somebody died yeah. accidentally in a dryer with like a red sock. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I mean I'm I'm at the point now where I'm like wondering if you guys watched a totally different cartoon no! than what I watched. That's and, you like, and you're not you're not familiar with this and you're just <laughs> fucking with me for over an hour. This there's a part of this that hurts. All right.
2: One of my favorite parts with the gate was when He Man looked at it and he was like, I guess I'll have to go through it and he just punched it. <laughs> 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 oh.
1: I did appreciate that was a very hand-fisted way to, like, show he did something stupid and that's how somebody got killed.
2: Right, right. Because the lefties have mean, to I mean, I do that all the time. I punch right. through
1: walls and then the whole structure collapses and somebody gets hurt.
2: And if you had just been more careful about not punching that wall. Yeah.
1: Me, I, me and the Kool-Aid man.
0: You have to wonder that this late in the series and, and how many times he's defended Eternia against Skeletor this is the first time that he's really caused, like, structural damage. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I find that really hard to believe. Like, I'm going to begin watching episodes to see if that is the case, but I feel like he's been the downfall of many a building before, Mm -hmm. and this just happens to be the first time that somebody's underneath it, which, Mm -hmm. surprise, surprise, the person underneath the building turns out to be somebody who's working with Skeletor who's able to essentially uh, play dead and slow down their heartbeat to the point they don't actually have a heartbeat. In their bodies so He-Man could check that person and be like oh they're, they're not actually breathing there's there's nothing there I've killed this person and Skeletor was able to transform them to look like a citizen of the town that he was invading so pretty complicated plot for a kid's sh- or cartoon
1: I mean as a medical professional I'm a little <laughs> bit upset with the way that he checked for how that, that dude was dead he just yes. puts his hand right on top of his chest doesn't actually check a pulse <laughs> doesn't sit there and yeah. listen like that dude needs some basic BLS CPR training.
2: That stood out to me, too. I was like, oh, you barely checked. And Yeah,
1: that should have been the moral of this episode. Yeah. You're going to call somebody dead. Do it correctly.
0: So that brings me to the perfect point, was what what, what would have been the moral of this? Would it have just been man-at-arms, and he's like, hey, kids, you might want to kill people. Don't kill people. <laughs> well, course, he did, But he did come you're gonna- out at
2: the end. And he did have his message, but it was just about wearing your safety belt.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, oh God, that's, I think it would have been better if he's like, hey, guys, don't punch buildings. Yeah. Don't punch a start. Or
2: or like if someone dies from a negligence of on your part, could it be a frame up? You know, okay. like you should always think that way. Or could
0: you be convicted of manslaughter? At that right, point? that's mm-hmm. that's third degree or manslaughter. Go
1: look up the material safety data sheet and figure out whether it was your fault or whether it's a known side effect.
0: Also, guys, as a point of reference, just call OSHA as well. Let's just double. <laughs> let's just cross that off. The I mean, OSHA
1: probably exists. If if there was a foster care system in Eternia, they they gotta have workplace safety standards. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I wanna now get into the, the nitty-gritty of Eternia, their economy, <laughs> what their import exports, their policies,
2: their how regulations. You,
0: <laughs> how what is King Rando doing? How is <laughs> is he just is he getting re-elected as the king or is he just like king for life? What, what's the what's this what's the line of succession? Because he does not seem to ever age at any point in time. Mm. And I feel like Prince Adam is always just going to be a prince. Mm.
2: Oh, do the parents know that he's He-Man or they don't even know no they don't know okay that's what I thought
0: that's like a big thing for, for the king is that like he he always he, is he commented in the first episode he's like oh Adam good to see that you're getting involved and he's like thanks dad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay <laughs> I guess I'll go <laughs> and then like three seconds later he's like shirtless with a bandolier <laughs> <laughs> same fucking haircut oh alright any any final thoughts about e-man before we check and see what the lovely people of the internet say about this show
2: i did think the moment when he felt so guilty about the death was poignant like it kind of surprised me it snuck up on me but when he was kind of having his moment of feeling guilty and and then he uh he said something like let the power return and he dropped the sword you know like, I actually got a little bit emotional for a second because it showed he really was such a good person, you know, yeah. to go to those lengths of repentance. Um, so I like that.
0: It's sort of um, like to draw like a, a, a an analogy that had been around, like, you know, he, he kind of is like the, the Captain America or like even Thor hmm. with his hammer, like with, uh, you know, like. He's worthy of being able to to do this and if he's not he's like i can't i i gotta let this go right. like I can't take up the mantle of this this person so it, it's it's interesting to see that I agree with you mm-hmm. Jason any final thoughts on your end
1: um I mean other than the fact that I feel like I have forever ruined our friendship and uh and <laughs> harmed your your emotional well being um uh you know i i I am a I'm appreciative of the place that He Man plays in the story of the cartoons and the action figures that shaped my love of cartoons. It was definitely a, a turning point between the the, you know, cartoonish, um that's not a very good word. Between the cartoons that were more similar to things like Flintstones and the ones that start to become a little bit grittier. They're about big muscle bound people and, and really large universe level conflicts. So I, I appreciate it from that standpoint. Um it it was not as <clears throat> intelligent and well done as what I remember it being as a kid and so this is one of those that I don't know that I'll watch a lot more because I think the more I watch it the less I will appreciate it.
2: Oh I wanted to ask you guys what you thought of the last couple of minutes where he's carrying um what's her name Tila off and she keeps saying put me down I want to walk and he's like yeah, no no just in case.
0: That, that actually kind of freaked me out a little
2: I bit. I mean I'm it was supposed to be flirty out. it was supposed to be flirty and fun and I thought he was being very <laughs> chivalrous um but i was like are these two about to hook up like
0: (laughs) (laughs) i was actually kind of worried because you know and and it it, understandably at that point in in the 80s uh we weren't as good as talking about uh sexual harassment and the whole like you know which first and foremost no should always mean no Mm, and in this moment you have a woman who's like please put me down and he's yeah. like no don't worry about it like, no 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 please put me the fuck down and he's like no, I got you don't like I got you babe it's yeah. like oh just put her put her the hell down <laughs> she is a warrior yeah and she is a warriors foster kid as well she comes from a warrior lineage at right. this. she's been trained she can she can hold her own and he's like no I'm, I'm gonna carry you so oh, a little weird <laughs> alright E-man guys Yes, you listening right now, not us. Don't worry about it. We're fine. Oh, my God. Guess what? Turns out that you have opinions about He-Man and Masters of the Universe as well. And so to honor those opinions that you have and you have lovingly crafted and put them on the internet, we are now going to hand this over to a longtime listener and friend of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away.
3: Our Love It is titled Greatest Animated Adventure Series and was written by Frank393 in August 1998. Frank said, This is the greatest animated adventure series ever made in the history of the universe. Based on a Mattel toy line originally intended to be Conan the Barbarian toys, the series has every element to make a successful hero story. The animation, first of all, is brilliant and the production studio Filmation was the only cartoon studio in history to do all their animation entirely within the USA. This has an interesting and varied cast of characters. The aloof King Randor, from whom He-Man, when he's in the form of Prince Adam, is always searching for approval. The strong captain of the Royal Guard, Teela, the wise inventor and military officer man-at-arms, the ultimate comic relief character, Orko, the trawling court jester. Then Skeletor, one of the best villains of all time. Histrionic, operatic, and always blaming his lackeys for the defeats he suffers by He-Man. Those lackeys are pretty good too. Beastman, controller of all animals. Trapjaw, cyborgian wizard of weapons. Triclops, master of vision. Merman, Controller of All Sea Creatures, and evil in Witch of Night. Watch this series and be swept off into a romantic and fantastic world that no one seems to know how to take you to anymore. And our Hated, titled Another Preachy Cartoon, was written by Brian Washington on July 3rd, 2003, Brian said. This is another example of those infamous superhero shows with a message. Fortunately, however, this came out right as that genre was winding down. Unfortunately, it was right at the forefront of another disturbing trend. The cartoon show as long-form commercial. As another person commented, This show probably never would have made it if it weren't for all the tie-ins to the He-Man toy empire. Soon, shows like the Transformers, the Go Bots, and other shows followed in He Man's wake, and instead of providing great entertainment for children, all we saw during that time were nothing but over glorified advertisements. This show featured the worst of both of those genres, and unfortunately, for the next few years, we were inundated with this type of garbage.
0: I I honestly think that at some point, we need to make Bobby, uh, like a heroic warrior in Eternia as well, guys. It's part of our our campaign that we have 2018. Animate Bobby. We can put Bobby as a villain, or we can put him as a hero in Eternia. We can make him a master of the universe, which I think he would be a good guy. He might argue otherwise, but I still think you're the best, Bobby. So thank you. We are now at the point where we are going to give our recommendations. So very quickly. You can recommend this show. You cannot recommend this show. And if you do not recommend this show, you have the ability to give it the dip, which erases it Roger Rabbit style. From the annals of cartoon history, you have that ability. So let's start with...
1: Are you saying that we have the power?
0: (laughs) Son of a bitch. Walked (laughs) right into that crap. God damn it. All right. Kick us off. Isabel, do you recommend or do you not recommend He-Man Masters of the Universe?
2: I do not recommend all He-Man. Right. Um, I think your description of all the toys, frankly, sound more fun to me than the show. So mm-hmm. I think He-Man, I'm glad it exists. I don't want to dip it and erase it. But I think I'd rather play with like the mini faces guy or like the the one with the Dented armor that turns around. That oh, is the battle damage! The battle damage. I think those sound really fun. So I don't love the show, but I like the the line of toys.
0: Got it. Understood. All right, Jason, recommend or otherwise. Reminder that our friend our friendship is on the line.
1: <laughs> it's going to be a big surprise to y'all based on my opinions to this point. I do not recommend the show, but I do not believe that it should get the dip. Plays an important part in the historical development of the cartoons that I love. And I appreciate it for that. But uh, just like Isabel said, I, I think the action Figures were far more fun and entertaining than the cartoon show ever was. Even though I think people remember the cartoon show more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unless you want to destroy all of the positive memories you have of He-Man, I would not watch this show.
0: Fair enough. All right. And for me, I, I am going to recommend He-Man. Uh, I am going to recommend He-Man, and I'm going to also throw this out and say, is it a perfect cartoon? Absolutely not. <laughs> is it something that I think is uniquely placed within our cultural zeitgeist, or something that has lasted almost four decades as a mm-hmm. franchise that is a household name? Absolutely. And I think for that alone, I'm going to recommend it. Uh Definitely had a place in, in my childhood and growing up and a lot of very fond memories uh, of not only the cartoon, but also the toy and the comic books. And so for, for me, this is something that is, is uniquely energizing and memorable to me as a cartoon. And so I, w- I would definitely recommend it. And you can find, as I mentioned, the first 65 episodes on, uh, on Netflix right now. And there is that fantastic documentary, The Toys That Made Us, that has a He-Man exclusive episode, which is 100% worth the watch. I would actually recommend watching that as well. That is like a must watch. Uh, you know. And then if, you, if this has not convinced you, if you have decided that you are going in the Isabel and Jason direction <laughs> and you do not recommend this and you don't want to watch it, uh, my recommendation is a, is a definite watch for this. So please check it out.
1: Yeah, the, the documentary's fantastic. Whether you like the cartoon or not, it was a really cool look inside the development of oh something my god. like
0: this. Jason, we get it. You don't fucking like the cartoon. <laughs> I didn't watch
2: it The documentary, documentary was fantastic. <laughs> 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 All
1: right. Are we going to do a follow-up episode on the He-Man live-action movie with Dolph Lundgren?
0: Oh, my god. Well, I mean, maybe in another podcast.
1: I just
2: want to quickly ask, because I haven't seen that movie. Does Dolph Lundgren play He-Man? Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? Wow. He's the Russian from Rocky Four, yeah, right? That's correct. Oh my god, he <laughs> does look like him kinda. Uh, if his hair got longer, I could kind of see it. It's debatable. I mean it, really? it's Really?
0: I mean you you when you look at the sort of the the muscle bound body whore that is He Man. Right. Uh I don't think anybody can ever measure up to that actual proportion no. unless you are like a professional bodybuilder. True. Uh, you know, and so I, I think it's it's challenging. But it's it's an interesting, albeit completely separate thing to watch. And, and love or hate on its own, independent, I think, of the He-Man cartoon and action. figures.
2: Then it could be another episode.
0: Yeah. <laughs> not for a cartoon. Not for Saturday morning all cartoon, right. But fair enough. I like your enthusiasm. So we're
2: canon this
0: podcast, and we're doing an entire podcast that's just yeah. Dolph Lundgren. We're going to do a spin-off <laughs> yes.
1: podcast called Saturday Morning Cartoon-Based Real Action Movies.
0: Real yes. Live action movies that are all body horror. So just (laughs) nonstop Turbo Teen and everything in between. (laughs) Guys, I want to thank Isabel as well as also Jason for coming on the show this evening. Thank you guys so much for being here to talk He-Man with me. It has been lovely to have the both of you. So thank you.
2: Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh,
0: and and uh, I wanted to ask uh, Isabel. Yes. Um. Do you have anything? We know that you're a performer in Washington D.C. Anything that's coming up that you would uh, in this month of July that you would like to talk about and promote? Uh, and uh, if if possible, is there any place online that people would, uh, if they were just like, I want to learn more about Isabel, mm-hmm. then they can find you.
2: Yes. Um. My improv team Madeline is performing most weekends for the next couple months. Um and you can find our show dates at witdc.org. Uh just look for Madeline on the calendar. Um and then if you want to find me on Instagram, um, I think it's just Isabel Galbraith. So yes. <laughs> That's what I type Very in. Very simple.
0: Very great to get your own name on that. So. It's
2: I have an unusual name, I'm lucky. <laughs>
0: Great. Jason, uh, what are you up to these days and uh, where can the good people find you on social media?
1: So, if for some reason you are in the weird intersection of the internet who happens to be listening to a semi dirty Saturday morning cartoon podcast and you'd also like to hear a podcast intended for pediatric emergency medicine professionals, I have a (laughs) podcast called Little Big Med that you can find on all of your favorite (laughs) podcasting platforms. Uh, And I'm at Jay WoodsMD on Twitter.
0: Awesome. Awesome. As for me, Guys, I do live improv comedy in Washington, D.C. with a group that's called Knox. Uh, you can find Tickets and Times with DC.org, and I'm always on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. You heard him on the show, our buddy Bobby Anthem. You can hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience. You can also find them on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast, and you can like them on Spreaker and SoundCloud. Bobby's also the occasional third co-host on the THT Movie Review Podcast, which broadcasts every Saturday night at 11.30 Eastern Time on Mixler. And, of course, you can find Bobby Anthem on Twitter, at Bobby Anthem. Send him a message, show him some love. He's the absolute best. If you are interested and you would like to reach out and and talk to us a little bit more, you can head on over to our website, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. You can check out our Twitter, at MorningTunes. See the weird stuff that I post that's on our Instagram account at Saturday Morning Cartoons and you can keep the conversation going on Facebook, facebook.com slash Morning Cartoons. You can also listen to our podcast on its new schedule which is going to be the first and third Monday of every month uh, and you can do that on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play and now even Spotify wherever fine podcasts are sold or given away for free as we've been doing for multiple years. <laughs> Uh, If you want to suggest a cartoon uh, or check and see what cartoons we've watched for this show, head on over to any of our social media. We have a bunch of links that are there where you can actually submit and suggest a cartoon directly to us. We also have a master list of all of the cartoons that we have watched on this show. So if you are thinking about suggesting something, take a look on our list, and then if we have missed it, please yell at us via a Google form and tell us that we need to watch it immediately like so many of you have done. <laughs> but now we wanna make sure that we can capture them. Uh, you can also check out and see that we have a phone number that people can call for our Google voice and you can leave us a message and we will include that in an upcoming episode with your recommended cartoon when we watch it. And if you'd like to reach out to us via email, you can reach us at gmail, Cartoons at gmail.com. Guys, this is the first episode that we have for the month of July. Uh, we have done He-Man. Can you guess what we're going to do for our next episode in July that would complement He-Man? She-Ra. Oh, my God, Isabel. Ding, it's, ding, like, ding. it's like you read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we are going to be talking She-Ra. Uh, so tune in in two weeks, and you can hear our She-Ra episode. But that's it from all of us over here. Thanks for listening.
3: Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.